Well, once again, allow me to say Happy Father's Day to all of you dads that are out there. I hope your day is, is going fantastic. I hope that you're blessed. I hope that uh, you will at some point get to uh, enjoy some time with your family today. If you can't be with them, then I pray that uh, you will have some time to speak with them and uh, just uh, share some good things uh, share some good things. Well, today we're going to be uh, talking about dads because it is Father's Day. And uh, you can see that we're going to be talking about what it means to be an anchor man. Now then, this, you won't have any references to the movie Anchor Man. There's not going to be pictures of Will Ferrell that, that pop up in just a minute. But we are going to talk about what it means, what it means to be an anchor man. Well, Unless you've been living under a rock, most people recognize that face right there, right? That is one of the most recognizable faces in America. Now, it's not always been that way, because for years and years and years, I mean generations, Howard Stern was on the radio, okay? Was he right? Wasn't he, right? Yeah, because all y'all listen to him, you know that's why. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah, Howard Stern was on the radio, and he was, you know, he's this, this shock jock. And he was paid lots and lots and lots of money to just say the most outrageous things. And then eventually, they started putting his show on television. I remember the first time that I saw it as a, a young teenager thinking, man, what is this guy? You know, I couldn't believe some of the things that, uh, that he was saying. And of course, now, new generations are getting to experience Howard Stern. If you have satellite radio... You know, Howard has his own channels, and you can just flip there, and you can listen to him and, and Robin just go all day long. You can listen to the best of Howard Stern as much as, you, as much as you possibly want. And then a few years ago, you remember, and you may, he may have even become more recognizable, as he became one of the judges for, for America's Got Talent. Howard is, is, is very rich. He's very famous. But along with those things, and those of us who are more familiar with his radio program, with him as a, as a shock jock, we know that, that Howard can be, and just by a yes or an amen or whatever, Howard can be pretty profane, can he not? He absolutely can be profane. He's rebellious. He's, he's rude. He's also at times been considered a, a, a national role model and we you know we we kind of ask ourselves well, what's the you know what's the what's the reason for for some of this this adolescent behavior from a from a grown man well years ago he was giving an interview uh, to rolling stone and in an unguarded moment he had this to say he said i will never have a lot of self-esteem self-esteem I don't feel very good about myself. I still have an inferiority complex. The way I was raised, my father was always telling me I was a piece of expletive. I think I will go to my grave not feeling very positive about myself or that I'm very, very special. My mother used to tell me how special I was. Every time I hear my mother's voice going, you are the most special boy in the world, I would hear my father going, you expletive, expletive, you are nothing but a piece of expletive. 
I cannot imagine. I can't imagine being talked to that way. I cannot imagine as a father looking at my two boys and calling them some of the things that Howard Stern was called. Yet there are people, and, and some of you here, you may read a quote like that and you say, you know what, that's me, I understand what that was like, that's my story, that's what I come from. And so I understand that, that Father's Day might not always be the easiest day for some people. And if that's you this morning, what I want to say to you is, while your earthly father may not have been good to you, you have a heavenly father who is a good, good father who loves you and has given up more than you can possibly imagine to make sure that you have eternity in heaven. But it's when you, you hear those words of Howard Stern's father that, you know, maybe it begins to make sense Maybe we begin to understand why Howard might be the way he is. It's also possible that the reason that Howard's father talked to him that way was maybe his father talked to him the same way. And it sort of became this generational thing of, of passing down hurt and anger and abuse from generation to generation. And again, many people... Many people understand this kind of thing as well. People that have, have lived a life in the way that Howard Stern was, they are, you know, they're to be pitied. They come from a, a type of family that a guy named Steve Farrar calls a, a drifting family. As a matter of fact, he's written the book called Anchorman. And his, his sole goal in that book is to, see to do exactly what you see on the screen is that he is calling men to anchor their families in Christ for the next 100 years. And you're probably thinking, how on earth am I going to do that? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. The things that we're going to talk about come straight out of that book. Now then, there are a lot of us in here. If you're a, if you're a dad, just, just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a dad. Hey, let's recognize our dads first of all. God bless you. You do a job that is not easy. Very good. Now then, thank you for, for who you are and what you do. Now then, this message is for you. But maybe even more so, I want to speak to all of the guys who are not yet dads. And as I look around the room this morning, we have a lot of you. There are young men, young adult men that are in our audience today and, and you are not dads yet. And maybe one day down the road, you will become dads. And what I want to tell you today is that you have an extremely important task ahead of you. You have an extremely difficult task ahead of you. And hopefully, hopefully some of the things that we're going to talk about today are going to, to provide a blueprint for how you can do this very thing. For how you can anchor your family in Christ for the, for the next 100 years years. Steve Farrar says that of those drifting families, he says a drifting family is a family without an anchor. 
The Father is to be the anchor. The Father is the one commissioned by God who is supposed to be the, the spiritual leader. He's supposed to, to set the spiritual tone for the, for the household. Now then, there are people that have taken that ver- some, some of those verses that talk about the man being the head of the wife, and they've done some terrible things with that. And they've taken that to mean, that, hey, it's my way or the highway, I make the rules, you do exactly what I say, or you're out of here. And that is about the exact opposite of what those verses mean. Okay, they absolutely don't mean that. And if, if that's your interpretation of them, do two things. One, go back and read it again. Do a close reading of that scripture. And two, repent. Because that's not what those verses mean. When God says the man or the husband is to be the, the, the head, he's saying that you, husband, you are to set the spiritual tone for your family. You are to be the one that leads your family to Jesus. That's what that's talking about. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of people, they take that passage there in Ephesians and says, the man is the head. Okay, you have to do everything I say. And then they, they, they stop reading. And it goes on to say that the man must love his wife so much that he must love her as much as Jesus loved the church. How much did Jesus love the church? He died for her. Husbands, that's what God calls us to do as husbands, as dads, as spiritual leaders in our households. When a father leaves, or when a father continually degrades his wife, or continually degrades his children, the family begins to drift. The result is that this can produce children who are insecure, who are are self-conscious, who are emotionally starved and are left without a a, a moral compass. It also models a behavior pattern that can be carried on by his children. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, is, is that the plan that God has for fathers? And the answer is a resounding no. God desires that we as fathers, that we as future fathers, anchor our families in Him. And so that's what we want to talk about today. God wants dads and and future dads to anchor their families in Christ for the next 100 years. And the passage we're going to look at in just a minute is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it'll be on the screen or you can open your Bible if you want to. But as we, we look at that passage, we see that God is giving us an idea about what He wants. The Israelites had been enslaved for a number of years in Egypt, and now they're, they're coming out of captivity as the story goes, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. But before they do that, they make one final stop after they've been wandering for 40 years because of some rebellion. They stop and they receive some instruction. Some instruction on what they're to do, on what they're to to put into place before they go into this land and they start their new civilization. Now think about how cool that would be. Imagine what it would be like to go in and start your own civilization. 
okay? Chances are pretty good that none of us are ever going to have that opportunity, right? Okay? Chances are pretty good none of us are ever going to start our own civilization. Now then, you might start something that's kind of like that. You might also be a cult leader, okay? If, if, if you got kind of something like that going on, see me later. Okay, I don't want to sign up, but I want to do want to ask a few questions, okay? But the Israelites, they have the opportunity to go in and to begin this new civilization. And God lays the responsibility for this on the men and the fathers. Here is, is what is told to them. The writer of Deuteronomy says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes. And the ordinance says that the Lord your God has charged me to teach you that you are to observe in the land that you're about to cross into and occupy. Now then, that's a real wordy way of saying God's got some things that you need to know about and he wants me to tell you about them before you get to the land. Okay? Here are some things that you need to know before you go in there. If you are going to be this new civilization, this is what you need to to know so that you your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God and keep all uh, fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long do you see the connection there do you see the chain you are to take these things that I'm going to teach you, these things that are so important that God wants you to know before you go into this land and start this new people, you need to know these things so that you, your children, and their children will be blessed. So that you will have this, this, this long and, and this good life that, that God wants to give you now think about this god if god wants us to to anchor our families for at least the next hundred years think about that a hundred years from now we won't know our families but our families will know us they will know our names some of them may even carry our names that get passed down. I'm the, uh, I am the sixth Andrew in my line. Okay, that stretches all the way back to the 1800s. Okay, my oldest son Jackson is the seventh Andrew to carry that name that's been passed down for, for a, a couple of hundred years. Okay, we won't know those people a hundred years from now. We won't know our family a hundred years from now, but they will know us. They will know how we lived our lives. They will know where, uh, you know, where we worked and, and, and what kind of people we were. They'll hear about old family stories, okay? They'll hear about the funny things that you did in your life, okay? They'll hear about all of these great things and were you a loving person, were you a compassionate person? I mean, how many times have we heard the stories of our relatives from, from days gone by? Well, I said, you know, your grandmother used to do that. Your grandmother, your grandfather used to do that. I heard one family story of a grandmother who actually shot at the grandfather with a shotgun. Okay, you hear those things, okay? Because they, they happen and you pass them on. That happens to be my wife's family, by the way. Don't tell anybody I said that. Shh, it's 
good thing we don't record these and I'm not mic'd up right now and that she's not sitting about eight feet from me. But you hear these things. Okay, you hear about the exploits of our ancestors. The same, if the world continues to spin as it does now, if the world keeps spinning and if we keep producing, a hundred years from now, our families, we won't know them but they will know us. They'll know if we were good husbands. They'll know if, if, if we were, were good fathers. Now then, think about this, and especially those of you who are not dads yet. One day, one day, your children will have grandchildren. Now, that will bake your melon right there. One day, my boys, Jackson and Miles, I heard that laughing. One day, my boys, Jackson and Miles, will have grandchildren. I won't have any idea who those people are. But they will know me. What do I want them to know about me a hundred years from now? Do I want them to know that I was a, a tyrant? Do I want them to know their great, whatever grandfather I'll be, that, that I treated their grandmother in a bad way, that I talked her down and I put her down in, in front of people, that I told stories and sermons about her without permission? And immediately ask for forgiveness? <laughs> Do I want them to, to say, yeah, you know, you know, your, your, your grandfather Jason, he, he really mistreated his children. He put them down. He talked about them bad. He degraded them. Because those kinds of things, those kinds of things, even though we die, those kinds of things tend to live on. Have you noticed that? I think a lot of the reason they live on is because a lot of times we model that kind of behavior and we pass it on to our children. You know, you ever heard, you ever seen a kid with a temper? And then what do we say? Well, which one of you, who does he get the temper from? You know, maybe it's a behavior that that child has seen from an adult, from a parent, from a dad, from me. And because I don't handle things the right way, my son see that and think, well, that's the way I must be supposed to handle things. And so I'm going to get mad and I'm going to lose my temper and I'm going to blow people's doors in. Those things tend to get passed on down the road. God wants our, God wants dads and future dads, God wants your leadership to be so noble that it can carry your family for at least a solid century. So that you, your children, and your children's children may fear the Lord. Now, that sounds great. But you're probably thinking, well, how on earth do I do this? You know, how can I possibly do this? You know, I've already got so many commitments. Okay, I've already got, you know, uh, we, we've got the house, and we've got the kids, and I've got the wife, and got these bills we've got to pay for, and we're trying to put stuff back for college, and we're trying to 
to save for our future. We want to take a vacation. It's just all of this stuff. My kids have all these commitments with band or sports or whatever it might be. How can I possibly add anything else to my schedule? And if you feel that way, that's, that's normal. Well, really, it's abnormal. But if you feel that way, what I want to say to you is, is, is relax. No, God knows that you're stretched. God also, too, tells us that we need to have margin in our lives. And so it might mean that we need to pare some things down in our lives so that we can create space and reduce stress and therefore not lose our tempers or not be grouchy and not be grumpy and let that all come bubbling out on our, on our families. God knows you're stretched, but here's the thing. He's not going to ask you to do something that you can't do. And the great thing about leading your family for the next hundred years is that it won't take any more of your time than it takes to lead your family today. And let me, let me illustrate this by a little hypothetical scenario. A guy named Joe Israel. God wants Joe to be obedient to him. That makes sense. God wants Joe to be obedient to him. He wants Joe to follow him with all of his heart. You see, that's what, that's what those Israelites were supposed to carry into the land. That you're supposed to love God with everything you've got, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, okay? Love God. If you will love God, I'll take care of you, okay? God wants Joe to be obedient. God wants Joe to follow him with all his heart. And because he loves God... He loves his wife. Because he loves God, he loves his wife, and he loves his children, Joe Jr., and their brothers and sisters. You know, and, and a lot of times, let me just pause right here. Sometimes I think we get that order kind of out of whack. Okay? I think we get that order out of whack a lot of times. There are a lot of people that just don't love God, so we'll just set that one aside right now. But even then, you know, you see, you ever see a, a, a husband and wife and things are going great and they have this good relationship and then all of a sudden the children come along and the spouse kind of gets downshifted a notch? Have you ever seen that? I've seen that. I have seen a divorce happen that way. Because a, a husband and wife who, who first and foremost should be loving God and then loving each other when the children came along, they kind of stopped loving each other, and the children got elevated above the, the spouse. And so the spouse felt needy, and the spouse felt rejected, and it created this tension. I think God created it this way for a reason, that we are to love God first, that we are to love our husband or our wife. And then we love the children that comes with that husband and wife. Okay, and I think there's, there, there is a, a blessing to following that rhythm. I think there is disunity and disharmony for getting out of that rhythm. But because Joe loves his God, that means he's going to love his wife the way that he's supposed to love his wife. It's not going to be my way or the highway, iron fist kind of rule. It's going to be this is a partnership. We're in this together. We need each other if we're going to survive this, okay? Now, we may not agree on everything, but we're going to agree on one thing, and that's that we're going to agree to raise our children the right way. 
And because he loves his wife, he's going to love his wife, and he's going to love his children the way that God wants him to. When Joe does this, his son sees that there is nothing more important than loving God. But Joe Israel, Joe Israel Jr. has friends who don't have dads because their dads moved over to the Philistines. They saw the trappings and they saw the temptations that, that were out there and for whatever reason they left their commitments to their wives behind and their families behind and so they got caught up doing other things and they just left. Joe Jr. has friends who have dads who downgrade them or degrade them and their mothers and, and put them down in front of them and, and others. He realizes that he has the best dad around because his dad, Joe Sr., doesn't degrade his mother because his dad doesn't degrade him and his brothers and sisters, but his dad loves them, sacrifices for them, shows them the affection that that they need. And as he gets older, it becomes clear to him that the reason that his father is so great is because God is at the center of his life. Well, Joe Israel Jr. grows up and he marries Rebecca Levi. And it's not long before Joe Israel III comes along. Now then, Joe the third is a great kid. He loves to be with his dad and he loves to be with his grandfather. He has a, a great dad and a great grandfather. And the reason what, what, that makes them so great is because they are anchored in God. But Joe three, like his father before him, has friends who are deeply wounded when their fathers leave or abuse their mothers. You know, that runs far too rampant in our world today. Does it not? I mean, if you agree, say amen. There's, there's too much of that in our world. And here's another thing. There's too much of that from people that call themselves Christians. That's what gives us a bad name right there, stuff like that. Okay? It's, it's like I've said a hundred times can be as knuckle-headed as you want to be. Do whatever dumb stuff you want to do. Sin however you want to sin. Just stop telling people you're a Christian if you're going to do that. Okay? If you want to live your life that way, fine. God will allow for you to live your life that way. But stop telling people you follow Jesus. Because that makes it difficult for those that are actually trying to follow Jesus and to reach out to people. That makes us look like hypocrites. Okay? I was talking with Jackson last night, and uh, we, he was upset about something, and we were talking about our family. And, you know, th this came, I, I wasn't even thinking about this message when I talked about it, but it, it kind of went to it because of something that had happened earlier in the day. And he was upset, and I said, Jack, I said, chances are good that, you know, you already have friends that they don't have their dad in their life right now, that don't live at home or have died, such as in the case of my brother and his 
Jackie's cousin. I said, chances are pretty good that you already have several friends like that. And he was, he was upset. But I said, but son, I want you to know something that your mom and I, I mean, this is hard, but your mom and I are committed to doing whatever it takes to stay together. Okay. We're committed to, to working out our problems and to dealing with the hard stuff to make sure that our, our family stays together. And of course, you could just see the relief break across his face as he, as he hugged me and tears began to, 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 to flow down his face. That's what it means to be a spiritual leader in your household. It means that if at all possible, we are going to stay and we're going to work this out. Now then, sometimes it, it, it just can't happen. And I understand that. And God understands that. But if it can be, Dads, if you can, you need to anchor your families in God. Joe the third realizes how fortunate he is to have a father and a grandfather who would never do this, who would never run down their mothers, never run down the children. He realizes that the reason that he is so blessed by a great father and grandfather is that God is at the center of their lives he's sad when his grandfather dies but he knows that one day he will be with him again in heaven he doesn't drift because he has been anchored in God by Joe Jr. and Joe Sr. and now he's teaching Joe Israel the fourth what it means to be a godly man Even after he dies, even after he dies, Joe Sr. is still anchoring his family because he walked with God on a daily basis. And that right there, that is how a man leads his family for over a hundred years. It begins with, with, with our commitment. I think that's how Deuteronomy chapter 6 is, is supposed to work. God wants to pour out His favor on a man whose heart is fully set on following Him. God wants to pour out His favor on a father who is completely committed to Him. Completely committed to, to loving and cherishing His wife. Completely committed to providing for and taking care of the needs and anchoring His children. That's a relationship that, that God will bless. He wants to work in your family. Just like he does in this, this hypothetical situation. Now then. We could be naive about some of this too and say, well, yeah, okay. Great story. What about free will? Because, you know, we do have free will. Okay, and we do make our own choices. And just because, just because my dad chose to anchor me doesn't mean I have to choose to anchor them or anchor my children. Okay, and we understand that. And we get that. 
But maybe if we can live our life in such a way that we can demonstrate the blessing of God. We can demonstrate the power that is in that relationship. Maybe if we can show our children how important it is to us, then maybe at least something close to this might happen. But you know what? I, I think it's also not up to us to just sort of let our kids figure this out. Okay? Dads and, and, and future dads. I think it's not, I, I, I don't think it is their responsibility to just sort of figure all of that out because as the dads, we have to lead, we have to teach Okay, and, and, and times we have to say, son, you know, I, I know that you got friends that are, you know, they're going through a rough time with their parents right now. But we're going to stay together. We're going to, even when it gets tough, your mom and I, we're going to stay together because we love God and we want this marriage to be blessed. We may have to remind them of those things. We may have to show the blessing. Show the blessing. Make the blessing of God real to them in their lives. Now then, that means that we have to live at a higher standard, dads. Does it not? That means that we must love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. And if we are truly committed to that, maybe that'll keep us from doing things that might cause people to label us hypocrites. Maybe that'll cause us to treat people the way that we're supposed to treat people. Maybe that'll stop people from saying, look, if Christianity looks like that, I don't want any part of it. Because I see how you treat each other. Maybe it'll cause people to say, you know what? Whatever you're doing is, is working, and I want part of that. I want that that." blessing I want that relationship it's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing to be a dad it's certainly not an easy thing to, to be a dad who is committed to anchoring his family in God. But I think it is one of the most fulfilling and highest callings that God has for a man. Now then, you might be thinking, you might be thinking, you know, I'm the, I'm the first person in my family to come to Christ. I didn't have a father or a grandfather who, who anchored me. I didn't have a, 
a father or a grandfather who passed down a godly example, then guess what? You get to be the first anchor in your family. And then if you'll love God that way, that blessing can be to you, your children, and your children's children. And it all comes from our good, good Father. Let's pray together. Holy Father, thank you so much for loving us the way that you are. Thank you for, for loving us the, the way that you do. God, you are, are so good to us. God, sometimes we blow it completely. God, I know as a dad, there are times where I have absolutely failed you, where I have absolutely failed my children. But Father, I'm grateful for their love, and I'm grateful for their forgiveness. I'm grateful, God, that I'm grateful that I've not messed things up so bad that they won't. They won't forgive me. And Father, I'm grateful that even when I think I've screwed things up beyond repair, you still love me. And you still forgive me. Father, I want to pray for every father in this room right now. I want to pray that you will give them the strength and the resolve to anchor their family in you. God, if, if they, and we'll know about they, I mean we, if we need to make changes as fathers, please show us where those changes need to be made and give us the courage to make those changes. Father, if we need to make apologies and repentances, help us to make those. Father, I want to pray for the guys in the room that are not yet dads but might be one day. Father, I pray that they will be incredible fathers. I pray your deepest blessing. Father, we're surrounded by a number of, of, of men who are not fathers yet, but I imagine will be one day, God. You've sent them our way this morning. I'm so thankful for that. And so I just especially want to pray your blessing on them. That is, one day if they, they get married and they have children of their own, God, that they will think about this word that they will think about what it means to anchor their families in Christ for the next 100 years, and that they will set about doing that with all of their might. And it begins by loving you, loving their spouses, and loving their children. Bless them, Lord. You are a good, good father who you are and it is the name of your son that we pray together